Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Midterm elections are underway today. If the Republicans win control of both the House and the Senate, President Joe Biden might find the next two years a bit of rough going. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is in a surprisingly tight race with conservative Lee Zeldin. And in New Jersey, Republican Tom Keene Jr. is challenging Tom Malinowski. At the state and local levels around the country, Republicans are well-positioned to control several state houses, governorships, and other important offices, especially the ones that oversee how elections are managed. Bob Henley joins us now to discuss the midterms. He reports for public radio, including a Monday morning show here on WBAI, also Salon, the chief leader in other news organizations. His book, Stuck Nation, Can the United States Change Course on Our History of Choosing Profits Over People, was published by Democracy at Work in uh, last year. And I'm very pleased to welcome Bob Henley back to our show now. Hi, Bob. Thanks for having me, Leonard. And we'll, later we'll be taking listener calls about the election. Uh, I'm going to give out that call number now, 212-209-2877. But before we uh, get going, um, I'd like to offer my condolences about your recent loss. Uh, yeah, my my kid sister, Rachel, uh, who was 62, uh, five years my junior, um, she... Uh, was a uh, a trained classical dancer, uh, a circus performer, a juggler, um, had uh, become a folk artist in, in that she made her own marionettes and carved them and then performed on the streets of New York and in subways anywhere that there was a crowd of adults of any age. And so she was a unique person uh, to be able to hold an audience uh, with a puppet doing the dying swan uh, in the subway, that takes mm. a special kind of character. And uh, what was, uh, you know, it's it's always tragic to lose anybody and someone that relatively young. But she had done so well with the help of her doctors. Uh, she had a cancer diagnosis. She had outlived that prognosis by two years. And every year, every day that she uh, got up and was productive, and she was productive pretty much right up until the end, was a tremendous victory for herself and her and and her doctors who were really worked in collaboration for her and they quite frankly spent 50 times the life earnings of my entire family uh in in this care of her and it was all lost and squandered really because it was a decision made to move her to congregate care to continue her uh, cancer therapy and it was in that space where uh, she uh, contracted covid and the lack of infection control um, uh, and all the other issues we see, um, uh, folks, you know, short staffing, uh, just the chronic problems that we still today, more than two years coming up in the third year anniversary, have not dealt with uh, in this mass death event. So thanks for your condolences and for the many condolences I've gotten. I mean, one of the crazy things about connect being connected to a street artist is you have no idea the life they've moved until they leave this earthly plane. And in the case of my sister, uh, unbeknownst to me, there's all kinds of things you don't tell your older brother. And she was, even though street art is not, you know, uh, is not a, a group thing necessarily, she was quite an organizer. And all through the worst of Giuliani's uh, uh, oppressive uh, actions, you know, where he, street, uh, he treated uh, artists and anyone on the street as a panhandler, uh, she really got conversant with the law, and she uh, would help out other artists with this little brochure that she'd hand out with the case law about where they were entitled to stand 
to uh, to show their art or to sell their wares. And uh, so I guess I got this lovely um, social media message from the saw lady who I've never met, who apparently uh, plays classical music on a saw and was happy mm. that she fell into my uh, sister's company who showed her the rope. So it's it's a tremendous it's a weird thing. It's uh, we also have her uh, her marionettes uh, continue to live on. Uh, she had uh, because she was blessed with time to have uh, I would say a thoughtful kind of conscious departure. Uh, she arranged so that uh, my uh, her older sister, Jennifer, uh, and I uh, could arrange to uh, do an installation of her marionettes at the Richard Library. And so uh, in the final days, uh, we were able to show her, although she, she's tough to work for, um, we, we passed muster. So it's been held over at the Richard Library, and there's going to be another display at Hasbro Heights. And we hope... That um, this this living legacy of all of all these puppets, uh, which include historical figures, will will find home someplace and can continue to delight kids of all ages. Well, Thanks. okay. Well, well. Let's get now to the topic at hand. In a tweet, you referred to these elections as the most consequential in our nation's history. The headline in today's New York Times is quote Fears and suspicions cast shadow as voters head to the polls. Many people even one worry that. Democracy is at stake. How, how? What is at stake? How serious is this? So I think it's important to step back and understand that there is a, a desire on the part, it's maybe human nature, that we want so badly, so a, a key portion of us, particularly people in the media, want to see this election as just another election. We, we have a kind of programmed rote in us. And so we tend to see it like in the language that we do at the horse race, all of it. And it's hard for us to take into account that we've been living some pretty intense history that doesn't have precedent. And so when you have an arrogant media that has the attitude that it's seen everything and that it doesn't need to make open inquiry because it knows best, they're going to miss things. And so for a number of years now, uh, this country has been under, the world's been under a kind of stress that has made polling pretty inaccurate. And as anyone who, I know occasionally you've had to do weather forecasts and I've had to do in my drive time capacity, do weather forecasts and always struck by how wrong the weather forecast is. And I think of myself on Monday, I say with such an authoritative voice, this is what's going to happen. And then, you know, we never fire the weather forecasters. Uh, I mean, let's keep in mind that we are now in the midst of uh, a mass death event. The only precedent we have for it is over 100 years ago. And even now, it, it seems to have been more devastating in some ways because we ended up having to close public schools. And then we also had, the, for the first time in U.S. history, a violent insurrection at the nation's capital where the stars and bars, the flag of the enemy confederacy, was inside the U.S. Capitol. Now, if you, you know, how, and yet we're going out with the Gallup right way, wrong way, Paul. We've been doing the right way, wrong. I mean, that's kind of absurd that we're taking polling data questions and worldview 
on top of something that is unprecedented. So well, it's really anyone's guess. T- Tim Michels, the uh, Republican candidate for governor in Wisconsin, said that if he's elected, the GOP will, quote, never lose another election in his state. And in Arizona, Carrie Lake has repeatedly hinted that she won't accept the loss. So what does this mean? Is this more than rhetoric or uh, is this something that we're going to have to really worry about in the future? Well, we always were worrying about it. I mean, I am just working now on a piece um, that uh, I'm going to do for Insider NJ and file when we finish uh, that um, the the Department of Justice nonchalantly announced uh, on November 7th that it was going to be sending investigators into 64 uh, uh, communities in 24 states for to because they were concerned about issues related to the Voting Rights Act uh, violations. And so on that list is Middlesex County, New Jersey. So the reality is before this happened, we had major problems. This is just not, it's not a break with history, but a continuation of history. And Um, and so you now have certainly a situation where uh, you have people that are running for office to uh, get positions of power and authority within the election machinery, who are so-called election denialists, and that is a problem. But the long-term trend of uh, racist suppression and targeting voters, there's a through line there that's been going on for years. It's just intensifying. I'm glad that we'll no longer have to watch strings of political ads. How has the tone of political advertising compared with past election cycles? Uh, the ads that I've been seeing are often attacks on a candidate without revealing uh, the uh, who is actually running the ad, who's paying for the ad. So this is the uh, fallout from Citizens United. This is the idea that we have uh, let in vast pools of dark money. Uh, Senator Whitehouse has chronicled this uh, from Rhode Island. He's got a great book out that shows how corporations now have been able to wash their identity, leave no fingerprints, and flood the zone with this kind of issue-based advertising. Also, we have situations now where the Democratic Party the uh, was a strategy where they would go into a Republican primary and actually stealthily support the the Trump candidate under the cynical belief uh, or the practical belief, depending on your worldview, that they would be better to stand against the Republican fringe candidate uh, than have some so-called more Cheney-like mainstream Republican. That doesn't so, seem to have worked in Georgia, where Herschel Walker might actually wind up winning the Senate seat. I'm not. I listen. I associate myself with Michael Moore's observations that the, that the uh, corporate media is really missing what is going to be a significant. And again, I could I could be totally wrong, but I guess I think that we're. Um, I was out in New Jersey looking at the field operation uh, of groups like the CWA, SEIU, uh, Make the Road Walking New Jersey, where they're doing door to door vote operations. I mean, I think that we're um, and it's kind of absurd when you think about it, like look back a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden um, the idea that Roe versus Wade had been overturned uh, was going to just be transformative. And Mm -hmm. now in in the TikTok that the right wing media has now served up, as, as Michael Moore said, it's like, oh, women are over it. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, now they're focused on the price of gas. Really? I mean, do we think that that undermining the basic civil rights and labor rights of over half the population is something that's going to like work itself out after just a couple of weeks? Is Could that be a profound misunderstanding of where exactly we are as a society? I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that I don't ever remember a greater disconnect between the media conversation and the circumstance of the American people. And that's not just because my sister died from COVID. It's from they are kind of clueless. They Listen, they have got more questions than answers about what's going on in society. 48 million Americans left their job last year. That's four times the size of the FLCO. They do not understand what the society is going through. We had, a, uh, I, I would say, something of uh, anthropological significance, of epic proportions, because the government and corporations, for all their might and all their control, could not protect the population from a virus. And that has caused people to recalibrate in a fundamental way what they prioritize. And now family, your household, your friends, your loved ones are more important than making a lot of money. And this system doesn't know how to deal with that. My guest is Bob Henley, and we're talking about the midterm elections here on uh, Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. Inviting your calls if you want to join this conversation, 212-209-2877. Some uh, people are claiming that the Republican, that Parts of the Republican Party are becoming authoritarian, even quasi-fascist. Do you really think that that's uh, sinking in? Well, anything as large as, you know, that's a big universe. But I will tell you that there is an overarching global trend. uh, And some of it is driven by the changing demographics. Um, Also, I think to some degree, um, we have a situation where the way that we get information now is is creating a lot of the problem. And so this goes back to something we've covered on the program before, which is the death of our significant uh, diminishment of authenticated local journalism. And so we now have this um, soundstage that has piped into it uh, social media, aggregated commercial content, and media platforms that are so-called news organizations whose primary existence is guaranteed only by increasing the number of clicks from people whose biases and prejudices they have confirmed. That is not an information machine. That is a propaganda and sales machine. And so Americans have to be able to ask themselves, how do they know what they know? We know from Facebook disclosures by whistleblowers that their analytics that they have set up were specifically designed to create conflict because that generates more online activity. So this is, I mean, I just asked you, Leonard, compare the response of the American people to polio in the 50s to the dysfunctional, disjointed response of COVID. And you'll see that what was intact in the 1950s was local journalism on a scale 
that was capable of if an Eagle Scout came down with polio in a town, there was a story about it authenticated by the people that live and serve a community. That's not what we have now. That architecture has collapsed. Instead, we have Bob Woodward from The Washington Post speaking on behalf of everyone who met and spoke with Donald Trump months early on. And Trump told him that um, he was openly going to downplay COVID and deceive the country. And Woodward sat on it for months because he was doing a book. I don't know one local reporter that would have done that disservice to the American people. Well, wouldn't local news still face the overwhelming influence of well-funded national media organizations and, and social media? Well, it would, but except that it could run to ground who those forces are. When I was at WNYC, it had institutional resources that went with that scale, that organization. I was able to dismantle Andrew Cuomo's LLC list. Uh, which was millions and millions of dollars from every vested interest. I mean, that guy was running like an, an auction house. I was hoping they'd impeach him just to have hearings about how he put that war chest together. That was the crime against the, the people of New York. I mean, among many things. And so that takes manpower. That takes people power. That takes people combing through the records. And as it is now, outside of a few organizations like the New York Times... There's not much of that energy around. There's certainly not the legal counsel that you need to make sure that you have somebody standing up against vested interests that want to keep these things from public view. We uh, have invited listener calls, and I'm going to take a call now. BAI, you're on the air. Good afternoon. My name is Rose, and I live in Flemington, New Jersey. Okay, go ahead, Rose. I, you know, I'm very impressed with what you're talking discussing this afternoon because uh, as a septuagenarian, I uh, have been watching politics for a long time, going back to the, you know, Ike years and what have you. This has been boiling up for a very long time. Anybody who watched Reaganomics attack, um, you know, the paychecks of the American people and the total dissolution of uh, our local newspapers and such... Uh, are not surprised that uh, that there is such a disdain for the will of the people. Uh, I'm very pleased that young people have the media. I don't have any media in my house. I got this telephone and I got a radio. But um, I think the young people are going to uh, turn this around. I mean, yeah, you can you can kick women out like and tell them that they don't matter. But when it comes to youngsters, I think they're so frightened to death of the climate, our planet, the destruction and waste of money, and they're gouging the, their futures out uh, with not helping with their, some of the college co you know, costs. When other countries, people, I had friends back in the 60s who went to Italy to, to do their first part of their medical training. Right. Uh, it's just berserk that the conceit of certain classes of people believe that uh, they've won already. On the you know, other hand... They cheat, and not afraid of cheating you either. On the other hand, you know, when people started criticizing Senator Joe McCarthy, a fair number of Republicans joined in the criticism. Today, you don't have any people criticizing Donald Trump in the Republican Party, even, or very few anyway. Um, and if they do, they wind up <laughs> being drummed out of the party. Well, I happened to have watched HUAC with my grandfather in 1952, 
Mm. And I do see great parallels. It's unfortunate. It's one of the most interesting books I've ever read was uh, Tip O'Neill's biography. Everyone should read that because it gives you a perspective of what a gentleman's job was in the past and now how it's become such a uh, mud wrestling. Bob? Yeah. I I would say that... um... It sounds like Rose, like you have some also some great young people in your life, right? I mean, firsthand, it seems like you know this generation. Uh, I, I lost them a couple of years ago um, when um, I had a wonderful person who used to sort of manage my life, and I had students who worked with me, and they were terrific, but uh, they're harder to get now. Right. I do think that what you're saying is true, that their horizon line is one that has global warming and if you look at it um it is bookended by something like 9-11 the great recession uh and we are i think we're seeing already in 2018 they stepped up in a major way their participation drummed dramatically and there's every evidence that it's underway again the, the the polling that i've seen the early voting stuff indicates that we are seeing uh, that continued uptick. And I do think that the question of reproductive rights is a big part of that. And I think you saw it also with the response to George Floyd's killing. Um, I do think that this generation is is present and they are going to hold the the ruling class accountable. Well, uh, Republicans have stressed inflation, the economy, and crime as the major issues. Democrats stress abortion rights, gun control, and democracy. Uh, New York Representative Elise Stefanik tweeted that, quote, Joe Biden is out of touch with hardworking Americans who are suffering from an inflation crisis, energy crisis, crime crisis, and border crisis because of one-party Democrat rule. Are the Democrats out of touch, even well, if they see, may I, be right on some of the, of the I, issues? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to, 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 like, rebel against the frame of the question. I understand what's generated. But this construct that the politicians are speaking to is disconnected and disassociated from the circumstance of the American people and what they're talking about. And so it, it is designed to have a right-wing ascension. Oh, I understand that. But it doesn't account for, and this is why the polling is off, the actual realities of what's going on. I'll give you an example of of how we're reading a script, this whole way, the way the Punch and Judy show of how the candidates are being poised. There was a front page story in The New York Times, fears over crime weigh on voters benefiting GOP. A kid midterm theme. This is a key midterm theme. Anecdotes fuel anxiety. Now, the reality here, and this is a 40-paragraph story, it took three reporters and three helpers to churn out this bit of right-wing cotton candy. Hmm. And when it boils down to it, you get eight paragraphs into it on the jump, and they bury the only news, which is that, don't you know, the FBI changed the way that they gather their universal crime statistics, and over a third of American cities, including some of the largest, Leonard, haven't posted their crime data. That's right. There is no data. So I just think we have to be very careful about letting framing our reality based on this artificial construct. It is not, uh, you know, I assure you that the million plus people that, you know, the families that lost, a, you know, that lost someone to COVID, the millions who are dealing with long term COVID, the 
public employees around the country, like the ones in New Jersey, facing a 20 to 24 percent increase in insurance health care premiums like they might be annoyed by gas. But there's a lot more at work in this society. You've got two million women stranded at home that haven't been able to return to work because of the collapse of public education and now can't afford to get back in the workforce because childcare has dried up and the Democrats didn't follow through with their commitment to provide universal childcare. And we're in the middle, I might add, of a recession that's being kicked off, not because of the precious value of money, which is how the, the uh, neoliberals think it. They always think that it's about the value of money. It's the lack of labor and the obstructions that capitalism place in the way of people being able to work. And so these are the issues that are affecting people's lives. And so I just reject entirely what's being served up by the New York Times and MSNBC. I'm sorry. Well, let's see what some of our listeners are thinking. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hi, Lenny. It's Russ. Hey, Bob. Bob. Hey, Russ. Hey, hey I got a $50 money order I've been sitting on since September. I'm going to send it in, no matter how you respond today. But, Bob, <laughs> Bob have you ever heard anybody level the criticisms that Republicans, that Trump does? Ron DeSanctimonious, Little Marco. That's why I like Trump. He he is destroying the rhino Republicans as we knew them, unlike Democrats. But I want to ask you, Bob, a specific question. Do you think an opportunity to unite this country was missed when the bipartisan AOC and, and the Republicans who signed the letter against fund, further funding Ukraine was forced to be rescinded by, by Pelosi? And, and do you think that really represents a betrayal of Democrat values? Because I know you're a Democrat. I was a Democrat. You know Al Gore did the wrong thing. So you think for yourself, Bob. I want to <laughs> know, do you think that's why a lot of Democrats feel betrayed? And we'll send the money order no matter how you answer to all five questions. <laughs> yes, Russ is a master. Um, I will say that it always discourages me when something as well thought out as that letter that was generated by uh, a significant number of progressives gets put to the side. And I am concerned that we're talking about global warming, and this is more disassociative behavior on the part of our national government. We're so concerned about global warming, and yet we're shipping as many explosives as we can manage because we want to make sure that we get the right geopolitical situation in Russia. I mean, I, I guess it just seems to me to be incoherent that I've had to sit through and cover hearings where people, homeowners, want to expand their garage and they can't get the environmental clearance to do so because they haven't hired an engineer. And there's no environmental impact study done on shipping any amount of explosives around the world. I mean, really? Are we serious about global warming? Let's just give up the ghost. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, this is John. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I hope you give me a minute to say what I have to say. You know, you can just talk one minute. You yeah. Good. <laughs> you can talk all you want about the Republicans. But, but well, let's look at honestly, look at say the Pelosi. She makes two hundred thousand dollars a year. They have two hundred million dollars and people sleeping in the streets all around their neighborhoods. Look at the Clintons. Look at what Clinton did. I don't like you have to say, I don't like Trump. I don't like Republicans, but I don't. But I shouldn't have to say that. Look at the Clintons, what she tried to do in that election. Look at the wars. Look, they're all crime families, the Clintons, the Trumps, the Bushes, 
the Bidens, well, because this is all true. They took a lot of money from foreign governments. Yeah, Democrats are just a dead end for thoughtful people who really want to make a good change to go down. And that plays well into the goals of the really powerful is to keep people divided, confused, and scared. And that's what this is all about. You look at how much Fauci lied, if you believe in vaccinations or not. You look how much he lied and tried to cover things up. You look how the Democrats took people off platforms because they were saying things they didn't want them to say. And then you find out later these things were true. You can't just talk about the Republicans as fascists. They're both sides of the same coin. I know it sounds like a a familiar rhetoric, but it is the truth. They're both Bob? be there to keep yes. people separated and to keep everything so you, all you the think, money's moving yeah. up. You think they're both sides of the same so coin? Money, so- I, I would say that up until January 6th, it was an even call, which was more duplicitous. But I do think that January 6th marked the turning point, as did the Trump presidency, uh, particularly when he started using um, a kind of nativism and, and racism uh, uh, to, to really divide the country. And I might add also that, uh, for me, uh, his highest crime and misdemeanor was kneecapping the response of local governments and state governments to the pandemic. That should have been brought to the world court. I still believe that that was his greater offense, is pitting the states against each other, making it so that Republican governors like Hogan and Maryland had to have state troopers protect the N95s from confiscation of the federal government. Uh, I have always been a, uh, you know, uh, 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 someone that's criticized both political parties. But I do think that January 6th and Donald Trump uh, has made it different. And I do believe that both parties have engaged in selling out the country. I mean, what we're dealing with right now in terms of the Rust Belt is a direct consequence of both parties facilitating multinationals' appetites, and using the tax code to do it. We have been taxing our labor at a higher rate than idle capital, which we have permitted and empowered to comb the world for value and to avoid taxation and liability. And then we send our military and young people to bail them out when their offensive and aggressive and greedy behavior gets them into trouble. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. back with Bob Henley, who uh, is a regular contributor to this program. We talk about political issues. And uh, today we're also inviting listener calls at 212-209-2877. Before we get to uh, some more of the calls, I just wanted to hit upon a couple of things that um, are in the news. Senator Rick Scott of Florida suggested the Republicans might change how Social Security and Medicare are funded. Um, I haven't heard much uh, from the Democrats in response to that. That in the stump speech that gets uh, that President Obama has been doing, and I think quite effectively, uh, they have been mentioning that that's the plan that the Republicans have. This 
thing that uh, uh, Scott had rolled out was they tried to the Republicans, including McConnell, tried to throw water on it months ago. Uh, but there are sufficient clips out there. I think there's a clip of Mike Lee from Utah telling a group of true believers that he was going to pull Social Security out by its, you know, by its roots. Uh, this has been something that uh, the Republican Party has been obsessed with. And it goes back many, many years. I mean, they're unhappy ever since FDR. They are ups- upset with any kind of uh, a national safety net because their mission is to make sure that any excess value goes to the top because they believe that resources in the hands of private individuals is where it belongs to them. That's a form of liberty. And so I do think, though, that we're coming to a tipping point here because there is a crisis that's that's really underreported, which is the fact that all those essential workers and, and public workers who kept the country running are, are now faced with double digit healthcare premium increases and this country is uh i'm not talking about people that do the vital work and, and change bedpans at the va that keep this country running uh and they are looking at double digit increases to their health care uh, uh health premiums it's dividing new york city the civil servants there are going to be faced with a real problem and the reality is that as long as we insist on marrying the provision of health care to employment Americans will never see another raise. And so this is the this is the thing that both parties are dodging. But it's something that anyone who's trying to balance a checkbook knows is the clear and present danger to the United States. Okay, well, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Um, My name is Ronald. I'm from Oyster Bay. And um, I'd like to make comments on two issues. One, as far as voting is concerned, and the other regarding local media. Regarding voting, a lot of people, almost uh, maybe half the country, feel that the voting system cannot be trusted. Elections cannot be trusted. And unfortunately, they're not wrong, because ever since we have eliminated proof of citizenship, single-day voting with the exception of people that are in the military or people that have health difficulties where they physically cannot get to the voting station, Uh, one-day elections or maybe a weekend elections. um, Jimmy Carter thought that with, with an elongated voting period like we have now, that there's tremendous opportunity for fraud. And unfortunately, he's not wrong. He was not wrong. And Germany, and Germany and France had tried it, and they had gone back to written paper ballots because they recognized the amount of fraud that could be present. So, uh, yeah, I would. I always like to try to make sure the callers are, are totally got out what they wanted to say. I, I don't think I think the the academic literature I've seen does not support the idea that there's a massive amount of fraud. I do know that there's co- cases in New Jersey because I've covered them where um, absentee ballots, uh, particularly in partisan areas where the election machinery is entirely in the control of one party, that they are vulnerable. 
But American participation in elections up until very recently really lagged other democracies. And I, I think that there's an idea here that if you uh, reduce the barriers, that all of a sudden fraud is going to happen. And I just don't think the evidence bears that out. I mean, you can I'm sure there's experts that you could find. But we just went through this with this last election where we had representations that there was fraud. It was brought to all uh, like dozens of courts of competent jurisdiction. And even uh, both uh, officials uh, from both political parties validated that process. So uh, I'm sorry to disagree with the caller, but I do. Okay, well, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Yes, it's you. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask Bob a question about why uh, in New York State they want to run like the abortion issue is the major issue in New York State. I don't understand it. I think I'm running on that. You, you're wondering why abortion has been made the big issue in, in this campaign in New York. And second of all, the Democratic Party did not do voter registration for the last two, three years. They, they could have added enough voters to offset whatever Zeldin is doing now. But they didn't do it because they're afraid of the left wing that might put a few more people in office. They're afraid of that. That's why they went all the way out of their way to make sure that the lady in, in, in Wisconsin was defeated by a moderate lady. And then they went to uh, Texas and they made sure the lady who was a pro-abortion person was was defeated in the, in, in the, in the midterm. Bob? So I'm having a little bit of trouble with the caller's line. But so what I uh, the question about abortion and about I think the idea of agency of assigning agency to the Democrats for the abortion issue, it gets at the underlying issue that we were just talking about, about how this election is being framed. I think that we have to look at the fact we are um, uh, in an unprecedented territory. It's the first time I remember uh, that uh, a significant civil right that had been ensconced in black letter law for half a century was taken away by the nation's highest court. Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm, Bob, deal. I'm also curious about how it's become a partisan issue. I'm assuming that a fair number of Republican women have had abortions over that, the, that time. Well, I look at Kansas, right? And so in Kansas, this is an example of something Michael Moore referenced, and I think rightly so. Pollsters did not see that coming. And we forgot that they were surprised. And that is a state that certainly is uh, Republican women were key to resoundingly supporting the pro-choice uh, option in that vote. And so I do think the other thing, too, here is that uh, we, we, we don't seem for whatever reason to understand that this is foundational to, to labor rights for, for women. This is a self-determination issue as there is. And so I don't think it's the Democrats that made it the issue. I think it's destiny. I uh, wonder about some of the more outrageous things. A lot of people have talked about Herschel Walker. But this past Saturday, Texas Republican Ronnie John Jackson uh, 
tweeted, quote. Would that be Dr. Jackson? Yes. I will (laughs) never, he said, I will never eat one of those fake burgers made in a lab. Eat too many and you'll turn into a socialist Democrat. Real beef for me. Um, Now, it, it was Ronnie Jackson who, as a physician to Donald Trump, said that if Trump, quote, had a healthier diet over the last 20 years, he might live to be 200 years old. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, now, this man is still a serious candidate. Yeah, well, and again, I think the thing is that now we're in the zone where in this architecture, which is fed by social media, you're rewarded for the most outrageous, unsubstantiated observation that gets more clicks. And that's all that matters right now. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large at WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. And with me is one of my colleagues here at this station, Bob Henley, who has a Monday morning show. He also writes for Salon, the chief leader and other news organizations. And Not the chief leader anymore. Uh, not so the chief work, leader. Okay. No, no, no. Work Bites. That's my New York outlet. Work Bites. Okay. So sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, you're... His book, Stuck Nation, Can the United States Change Course on Our History of Choosing Profits Over People, uh, is published by Democracy at Work. And we are taking listener calls at 212-209-2877. We have a bunch of calls coming in. Let's take one. BAI, you're on the air. Hi, good afternoon. Go Um, ahead. I'm almost almost in tears. I'm very emotional about your program. Uh, WBAI is so informative. I'm giving up my spectrum, what you call it, and I'm going to send all my money to you people. Oh, wow. We are so grateful because a lot of money is going to these politicians. Ronald Lauder reportedly spent $11 million to support Lee Zeldin in this campaign, and Peter Thiel has generously supported Blake Masters in Arizona. You're going to have to let me say what I'm getting ready to say. Go ahead. Okay. Everybody, it's very important. I am a welfare recipient. Don't hang up. Of course <laughs> Why? not. Why would I hang up on you? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm a part, I'm a member of the Haiti generation of New York. Um, and that's why I feel like I want to cry. Because I want to do, I was a tennis association president for a few years. And I gave NYCHA. I put my foot all in their butt because <laughs> I can think. I can think thanks to my mother, and NYCHA management is to blame for our misery. Plus, the tenants not being informed and not having the desire to want to know. A lot of us, I believe, just as long as our checks keep coming, we don't care, right? Okay, that's but that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling because America, New York City, you know, they want us to come out and vote. Um, my sister wants to vote early. She said that all the proposals are retarded. This is an ex-school teacher, my sister. She says, no, no for this, no for that, no for this, no for that. And it helped me realize that because I wasn't going to vote at all. And then I says, wait a minute, you can vote because the question is yay or nay. Don't say, you, oh, I'm not going to vote because it's all garbage. You go there, you read something. If you don't agree with it, you put no, right? Okay. But getting back to this welfare thing, this system has set welfare up so lovely that if I'm working, okay, 
It's like wild work. I get snaps. That gives me all the food stamps I need. You got these programs giving away all this food since COVID. Uh, I got Medicaid. If my child is partly retarded, I get straight, they, the child gets straight Medicaid. Um, my rent is paid. So it's like, why go to work? <laughs> okay. But as an African-American, it's like, well, they owe us reparations anyway. So I'm going to sit on my butt and get welfare because they owe us anyway. They brought us here. They got free labor. They integrated our race. All this kind of stuff. So I'm thinking like, what the hell? I'll sit back, be comfortable on welfare, okay? But that's not the way our bodies were made, to sit around and do nothing. We were made to move. And that's where BAI comes in. Because one of the programs I love the most, I'm going to shut up because you got a lot more listeners. One of the programs I love the most is the educational program. I forget the name of it, but you know which one I'm talking about. The one about schools, the public schools. Education at the Crossroads. Hmm. I love that program. Um, what are some of the other ones? All of them. So I'm going to take that freaking Spectrum account, shove it up their butts, and I'm going to send you all my money. Okay. And well. on that note, <laughs> you have a nice day. <laughs> well, thank you so much for calling. Should we go to another call? BAI, sure. BAI you're on the air. They're the stockholders. That's me. Yes, ho. Yes. Go ahead. Hi. All right. This is going to be a how do you like them apples. But uh, So here you go. So um, many times in my family, my vote didn't count. Right? And it should have. Uh, many times in my union, my vote should have counted and it didn't. And so in what way? So because you were more conservative? Uh, it, uh, well, it would take too much time to say. It just I'll just uh, say it just it didn't count, and it should have. But I was asked for my vote, but it didn't count, I found out. So uh, you have uh, lots of conspiracies that using media, which is a conspiracy in itself, to omit information, and that's a conspiracy. And that causes uh, 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 people to not get fully informed, and it causes things to go a certain way. The Kennedy assassination, the first bombing in the towers in '93, the, the the actual thing in 9/11, the vote in Florida with Al Gore, and so on and so on and so on, and the uh, financial uh, conspiracies that come out, the Enron and the information of Enron down in Building Seven, and it was all housed there, and then. So on and so on and so on. So when I was coming up to vote, I'm 18. I was very lazy about doing it at all. I considered voting for Mario Cuomo just because he just motivated me so much as he, when he spoke and that he was Italian. And I was going to break the ice and vote for him. And uh, because of the way he spoke and the way his voice and his conviction, right, and motivation, uh, Jesse Jackson did that to me a lot, too. But uh, I was going to come around and vote. I was lazy. I'm 28 years old. But then I got information here on WBAI about many voting investigations, the Collier brothers. So I agree with the caller a few ways back that a lot of the large voting is rigged, and there's a, there's a, a way to do it. And uh, there's so many conspiracies where there's questions about everything. I mean, even the global warming. So there's a lot of people are on the wrong side of what they're saying. You know, if you challenge the science, they say, oh, no, you're just denying that there's global warming. No, I'm not denying it's global warming. I just think deny that the fact of facts of the human-induced global warming 
is not the way that they say. Okay, well, look, we're almost out of time, and Bob, the point is, uh, the, the caller's point is that the information we're getting isn't always the accurate information. Do you agree? I would agree, but also I guess it depends on your conditioning. So when I was uh, in high school in Ramsey and getting politically active, it was a town that had been in control of the Republicans, and I got what was busy work from the Democratic Party, which was to register with the help of an upperclassman um, uh, 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 fellow uh, person from the high school that we would find all the high school kids that were eligible to register to vote. We registered them to vote, and the Democrat won, Emil Porfido, uh, for mayor. And so my first exposure of it was you do the work, you organize, and you're rewarded. And so that's my experience. And so I'm working from that space. Maybe it's, you know, idealism or optimism, but it's borne out by my life experience. We have time to sneak in a very brief call. Let's uh, try it. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, Leona? Yes, hi, Leona. Can you make it brief? Well, I'll try. I just wanted to say that I, too, agree with the speaker who spoke uh, a few uh, people. Yes, I will make it. Okay. I'll make it brief. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. So I think that we could, some of us can agree that capitalism has, American capitalism has now reached a low, a very Mm. deep low. And uh, we look at all, this is an overview and I'll sum up. Uh, Look what they did in Afghanistan uh, with all that killing and so on. They ran away. Um, Look at, for example, uh, no jobs and only part time jobs without any benefits. Look at uh, look at the covid. They can't even handle the covid. Look at um, look at no abortion. Look at uh, killing of black people. so I want to say that uh, this country only, American capitalism only responds to the military complex. They need wars and Wall Street. Those right. are the rulers of the country, not the party leaders. And uh, I want to just mention one thing. I was in Italy this, for about a month this, uh, this past summer, and I, hurt, I fell down and hurt my knee. And I went to a city mm. hospital in Bologna. And there they took x-rays. They took care of me, they stitched me, they did everything possible. And then they apologized to me for not, because it was so late, I couldn't get the medicine, which they offer. And guess what I paid? Nothing. (laughs) And why? Why is that colonial? Because that city, that city was run by the communists and socialists after the war. And that still has some uh, remnants of that kind of treatment and consideration. I, I, it may change with the new with the new prime minister. But I would say I just wanted to by, say by something quickly, way, which it is. Hillary contra- congratulated the new president and said it's good that we have a woman, a woman that says <laughs> whose best friend is what's his name and who was rejected by Trump. Oh, I forget his name. He has slick blonde hair. I don't remember his name. I can't remember. But well, I just wanted to say I, about this point that it's my conviction that American, the American health care system is entirely about the accumulation and preservation of vast amounts of capital. And if people get better, it's a happy coincidence. Doesn't work for them. Yes, absolutely. But so but Hillary uh, congratulated the new fascist. A neo-fascist, let's say, a president of Italy, <laughs> mm-hmm. said it's good to have a woman. 
Come on, what kind of a person says something like that? And talking about Hillary, who, who was a principal person who went for bombing Libya. Libya. In Libya, the women went to college with a huge percentage of women in college. And whatever you thought of, of their leader, that's not our business. Well, well we're, we're pretty much out of time. But, Bob, uh, isn't this one of the problems that we have in this country, that we're faced with the choice of voting for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Uh, and right. we, we, yeah. we wind up often voting for the lesser of the two yeah. evils? Right. We have 25 choices of cottage cheese and two choices for president. <laughs> Bob, but we'll see you next Monday on yes. your show. And also tonight we've got coverage wall to wall. So to make sure to tune in. Thanks to the Independent and Democracy Now. Oh, we're going to do wall to wall coverage here on WBAI. That's, That's great. That's right. Thank you so much for being on our show again. I always love talking with you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. And to the callers as well. And uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. My special thanks to segment producer Hugh Sansom for all the work he did in preparing today's interview. If you would like to check out uh, more of our one-hour interviews on one subject, you can access our archives of over 700 shows at WBAI.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Check us out on Twitter. And if you'd like to reach me directly, my email address is leonardlopate at WBAI.org. Right now, uh, Bob, you still there? Okay, it's okay. Bob? We're asking people to consider stepping up and supporting BAI as we struggle to stay afloat during these difficult times. We're asking all of our listeners who haven't taken that step already to make a tax-deductible contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now to keep the unique in-depth content we bring you on this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. That's given then the number 2 WBAI.org or 212-209-2950. Please call. Uh, we really, I, I think that BAI is a special, uh, unique institution, and it is also the only station in the New York area that is completely reliant on listener support. We don't take any foundation grants or ads. We might also consider becoming a sustaining member, what we call a BAI buddy. Um, we're offering a WBAI tote bag to anyone who signs up to become a BAI buddy for $10 a month or more, 10 15 20 however much you uh, can handle. Uh, I hope you'll join us again tomorrow when David M. Dorson will discuss his book, Judicial Mayhem, How Federal Judges Betrayed Their Public Trust. See you then.